0: where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today on the podcast, we are joined by a naturopathic doctor, Cassandra Wilder. So I reached out to Cassandra because I had heard of her podcast, Goddess Ceremony, uh, and there was a lot of really great information out there uh, about how we really as women need to own our menstrual cycles. This is an episode for my female listeners. I know we have some men who enjoy the podcast. There's maybe a lot you will learn from this as well, but it really is an episode for the ladies We operate differently to men because of our cycles, and it's actually no bad thing, which Cassandra shares with us in this episode. She talks about how we can manage our energy week to week, depending on where we are in our cycle, seed cycling, and how it can balance our hormones, gut health, and so much more. Cassandra has an incredible free resource for you as well on how to structure your business if you're an entrepreneur in alignment with your cycle. And it's also incredibly helpful if you're in a traditional role about like if you have some, basically if you have any ownership over your schedule whatsoever, how you can align uh, what's going on in work with what's going on in your cycle. So you can download that. Go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast 159 to get that free uh, download resource from Cassandra. Honestly, this interview is just so informative, and I took away a lot of applicable learnings that I've already been using in my daily life, so I hope that it will be as helpful to you as it has been to me. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. With pod power, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we are giving a podcast shout out to book women, Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Hosts Tanya Bell, Sheila, Sheila LaRoque, and Kayla Larson are three Métis librarians representing nations across the homeland. Now they have banded together to chat books, culture, and anything else that comes up. Book Women has recently been added to Indian and Cowboys Podcast Incubator Program for emerging voices that contribute positively to the Indigenous podcasting space. You can listen and find out more at BookWomenPodcast.ca. I also want to give a little shout out to a fellow Alberta Podcast Network member, Emily Missed Out, and honestly, it's better to hear it in their own words. So here they go.
1: Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Brienne. And together we make Emily Missed Out, a podcast where Emily and I dig into the long list of films that she hasn't seen yet. It's a very long list. Totally long list. And help her catch up on all of the pop-culturally relevant lines, characters, scenes, and tropes that she may have
0: missed out on. We're also a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can find us online at albertapodcastnetwork.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Join us for my pop culture education. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, so we're going to head straight into the interview with Cassandra. Well, thank you so much, Cassandra, for joining us on the podcast. I'm so pleased to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I discovered you through She Podcasts. We're both, a, you're a fellow podcaster <laughs> or in, in that community together. And when I went down the rabbit hole a bit on your website, you've had such a fascinating um, I would say like history and life experience with stress. So I'm hoping you can, um, give us a kind of a quick snapshot of how you got to where, to the role that you're in now, what inspired you along the way?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Victoria. And I really believe that when you have a purpose in life, often it finds you long before you're really ready for it. If that makes sense, you know, the, the foundations are there and then we have to be ready to step up to the plate. So um, especially growing up, I grew up in rural Utah, I always um, was really intrigued by the human body. I always knew I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor and help people heal themselves. And I really was intrigued by women's cyclical health, especially because I had such debilitating periods, they would disappear for months at a time. And I kind of got the runaround in that, oh, it's just normal, you should just, uh, you know, get on the pill and uh, hopefully that'll fix it. But of course, that doesn't fix it. Mm -hmm. And it certainly didn't for me. So when I was 19, I was in an abusive relationship. So, you know, anyone that has lived through anything like that, you know, it's a, it's a level of stress that's almost incomprehensible. And while it was so painful at the, at the time, it did create the most beautiful opportunity for me to change. So it was the first time in my life I took accountability for the things around me and started to realize that if I wasn't happy in my current life, then I had to be the one to do something about it. So, I finished my undergrad at the University of Utah in health and nutrition, but I knew I wanted something more holistic, something that was, you know, not the food guide pyramid and uh, was a more empowering full spectrum view of health. So, I left Utah to travel for a year to see if I could figure out what I wanted to do. You know, you could say a a very early midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. And along that journey, found myself in beautiful countries like Guatemala and Mexico, studying with these indigenous women, and then went to Michigan to visit some friends and uh, found an advertisement for a naturopathic school. So I joke that I went to Michigan for two weeks and then I stayed for four years. So it's funny how it works and how when you, again, listen to yourself, when you are willing to be guided, I guess, or, you know, tap into your intuition, then you are brought to exactly where you're meant to be and since then it's just been a a wild ride so I see women all over the world I help them heal their menstrual cycles and rise into leadership and I'm so grateful I feel very very blessed to say that I truly do what I love
0: oh that's phenomenal so for anyone who's listening that's like I'm not clear on what a naturopathic doctor is could you give us a bit of a rundown of that
1: That's a great question. I feel like when you're a naturopath, you have to get a really good elevator speech because a lot of people have never heard of it. Yeah, they're like, what is that? Uh, So a naturopathic doctor is in essence a natural-minded physician. So we choose to look at the body as a whole so we don't compartmentalize, you know, the gut versus uh, the liver, anything like that. We look at the whole person and also the emotional side of everything. We seek to find the root cause of any imbalance in the body and heal it from the inside out. So it's just a more natural perspective. Uh, we use herbs, nutrition, lifestyle changes to create these, these uh, balancers. You know, it's funny because I remember when I, when
0: I was dealing with a significant amount of stress and depression and that kind of thing, going to my family physician who I absolutely adore, like I'm not taking that away, but I remember asking, is there any, like, should I be eating foods, different foods? Should I be doing anything different on the nutrition front? And he kind of just said, no, 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 you're fine. Um, And I look back at that now and I'm like, "Mm, I think that like nutrition plays such a critical part to how we feel mentally physically and emotionally
1: totally totally and that's where you know the doctors are always doing their best but in medical school on average a physician will get less than five hours of training in nutrition so that's pretty staggering right and like yeah. you and I and I think anyone that is you know semi-intuitive can like see that food is obviously the foundation of how we feel so yeah it's an unfortunate thing it's the most substance that you put in your
0: body, right? So assuming, you know, we got to assume there's got to be a huge impact from what you put in your body. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the gut health just seems to be gaining real, like, not popularity, but like notoriety, I guess these days. Um, How does, how does our gut interact with our hormones and our cycles?
1: Gut health is really the foundation of everything. And it is cool to see, especially in the last five years, everything is gut health. You know, bone broth is like cool again, you know, (laughs) whereas 20 years ago, it was weird if you made your own bone broth. Everything now is about probiotics and about balancing this. So your gut health really is the foundation of your health. So if something is imbalanced in your gut, you probably are imbalanced in multiple places in your thyroid and brain chemistry. You know, there's a huge correlation between depression and anxiety and gut health. Um, as well as hormone health. So if our gut health is imbalanced, likely we're going to see everything else slowly start to degrade over time as well. So when I see a client who especially has a lot of uh, hormone related issues, you know, the thing I see a lot is estrogen dominance. One key thing we do have to do is look at gut health, because likely when we see estrogen dominance, we're also seeing chronic constipation. They're not having a bowel movement every day. Um, their body is not absorbing things. They might have leaky gut. So it's also interconnected. And that's why looking at the whole person, I think really is so wise.
0: And what, what's different for women in particular? I mean, obviously we're completely different beings, but um, how does our cycle change things and change our energy and our hormones and our health? I feel like, I mean, I feel like this is such a
1: vague question. <laughs> it's a good question, though. So everything about a feminine body fluctuates throughout the month with our hormones and in our cyclical health. So everything from your mood, your energy levels, your libido, your sociability, everything shifts throughout the month. A key thing here that I think helps uh, us all of us grasp it is, on average, a man will go through an entire array of this cycle in 24 hours. So a man will have a time of increased productivity and also a time when they need to rest. But they do that in a day. As women, on the other hand, we go through this entire cycle in 29 and a half days, which is why often when women, you know, are working in the nine to five or in the very like vigorous go, go, go hustle kind of environment that most of us live in, We don't thrive generally. We Mm -hmm. find that we burn out, we get overwhelmed, we get depleted, depression, all of that comes with it. So when we start to look at our cyclical health and start to look at the four distinct phases of our cycle, then we start to see how we fluctuate. We start to give ourselves permission to have peak days and days when we might be a little more introverted, need more rest. And there's so much wisdom in that. We finally feel like we are working with our body rather than against it.
0: So could you then walk us through... Sort of of those average four weeks, um, which are our kind of high energy, like what can we expect from our energy week to week?
1: Great question. So if we look at the four distinct phases, you have your menstrual time. We all know when we're on our period, it's very um, obvious when we're on that. Uh, Then we have our follicular phase, and that is the phase between menstruation and ovulation. This is where our hormones, especially estrogen and testosterone, start to increase. So we feel our libido increase. We feel kind of the energy of spring is a good way to explain it. So you feel that heightened energy, you're more social, great time to to start to tap into that productivity. And by the time you reach ovulation, you are on the top of your game. That's the most extroverted time of the month for most women. A time when we have the most energy, um, our hormones really are at this peak energy. So we really feel bionic. We could work a 12 hour day and not really be phased by it. We're creative, we're innovative. And then right after ovulation, our hormones kind of plummet. You know, I wish I could show everyone a picture of this, but it's a pretty significant drop, which is why typically after ovulation, we find ourselves feeling a little more introverted, less energy. We maybe are not as eager to go out and be social. It's a good time to finish up projects, finish up tasks. And then by the time we come into our menstrual time, that is our most introverted time of the month. And and again, any of us that have ever had a period, we know exactly what that feels like. We want to curl up on the couch and drink some tea. We don't want to go outside and you know, go to a hit yoga class or something. We don't want to do anything that's um, incredibly strenuous. And there's so much wisdom in that, in learning that sometimes the most productive thing we can do, especially during our period, is actually rest. So I know what you're
0: saying about like how challenging it can be with a nine to five. Like I am self-employed, so I've kind of been trying to listen to my body as much as I can since I've been at home. But for those that are still in the nine to five, what can they do about it? How can they better match their schedule to their hormone cycles?
1: Yes, So for a lot of women, it's going to be about the little subtle changes that they make that will make a big difference overall. And everyone's job is so different. And, you know, some people have a lot of flexibility in what they can do in a month and others feel like every day there's a very specific task that has to be done. So depending on how much flexibility you have, if you can especially start to shift more of your social or very extroverted tasks to your follicular and ovulation time. So for example, if you're required to do a certain number of calls or you have to schedule certain interviews you can push those to more. So that time during your luteal phase and your menstrual time, that might be something subtle and small, like choosing to go home an hour early, or at the very least after work, implementing some form of self-care, you know, taking a hot bath versus binging something on Netflix, (laughs) having the kids go to a friend's house so that you can take a few moments to just breathe and take care of yourself. So for every woman, they're going to need a different amount of time for all of this. And there's wisdom again in listening to your own body and starting to figure out what really thrives for you. And so would you just suggest people,
0: women start to track this and like track energy and like like how can we get a hold of this, especially if we have irregular periods?
1: Great question. So, yes, I'm a huge proponent for tracking your cycle. You can download a free app on your phone. There's lots of great ones. I use one called Life, just L-I-F-E. And you just put in when you have your menstrual cycle, and then it starts to predict when you're going to ovulate and have your next menstrual cycle. And then once you have that, you can plug that right into your calendar. So even on your Google calendar, you can put in this week, I'm probably going to have my period. And this week, I'll probably be ovulating. And it helps you start to structure your life, especially for entrepreneurs, so that we know when to do the podcast interviews, (laughs) when to launch the course, when to see clients. um, So we can really work with our productivity patterns. Once you have that, you really have the blueprint for your life, for your sociability, for your work. Everything really starts to fall into place from that. If your cycles are incredibly erratic all over the place, that is something eventually you'd want to address with a doctor. um, Because any sort of extreme, whether our periods are really heavy and intense and uh, very prolonged, or if we have the opposite, they're very scant or, or almost non-existent or very difficult to track, those extremes need to be addressed.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Recently, I had um, a woman on the podcast who suffered from endometriosis, and and she, sort of similar to what you were saying at the beginning of people when she was younger, just saying, "Oh, it's just you know nothing we can do about it. This is just the way your period is or isn't, or the pain level attached to it." It just seems like there's been so much, you know, people your age and my age have had so much misinformation growing up, and it's only really starting to come out now in many ways.
1: Exactly. It's pretty staggering, actually, how little information any of us got, you know, like maybe we were handed a pad and said, like, congrats, you're a woman. And <laughs> that's, that's about the extent of it. And then even in the medical system, I mean, sadly, historically, women's health has very much been disregarded. I mean, for example, for up until the last maybe 20 years, when a woman would go through menopause, they were just seen as going crazy. There was no support for them. There was no like, this is a normal thing and it's okay. Your hormones are changing. Um, it was you know, you're, you're just getting old and crazy, which is yeah. really disempowering.
0: When, when you are in Central America, do they have a different approach to women's menstrual cycles?
1: Some of them do. Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of those cultures have also been disconnected from their bodies and disempowered over the years. You know, their cultures have been taken away from them in a lot of ways, but uh, the Mayan culture in Guatemala, I was intrigued to see that they did really see it as a sacred time, that it was a time of rest, that it was a time of rejuvenation and reflection. So uh, I, that's where I went to my first women's circle. And I was so blown away by the intention of it and giving women the space to speak what they're letting go of, to speak the things that are not working in their lives and get that community support. So It was so refreshing. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. coming from the United States where everything can be very closed off, you know, when someone asks how you're doing, you say good, even if you're not good. It was, um, it was beautiful to see the community aspect of it.
0: For sure. And it's, uh, I mean, I remember reading sort of different snippets of books where they talk about these sacred times. So it would be fascinating to see that firsthand. Yeah. When it comes to stress and, And our cycle is that stress mainly coming from us trying to be do and perform things that are out of sync with our cycle, or is there something else going on in the hormones?
1: All of the above, okay. (laughs) See, um, yeah, I mean, certainly trying to thrive in a very masculine go-go-go kind of mentality is going to be inherently stressful on the body. But also so many of us are exposed to things that are causing our hormones to go out of balance that it becomes this vicious cycle and it can become chicken or egg, right? Like what happened first? Was it the stress or was it the hormone imbalance that created stress? And you know one of the most common things we see when a woman has a hormone imbalance or is under perpetual stress is the body stops ovulating and or it may stop menstruating and these are such major signs from the body that something is imbalanced but again because a lot of us are never educated about our bodies unless we're going to a doctor that wants to address all of this we may not ever get the support that we need and we can imagine that prolonged for many many years it's not going to end very well and so what can we we've
0: talked about tracking it and sort of trying to match is there like match your energy to your week kind of thing is there anything else we can do from the hormone standpoint like different foods different all the things
1: (laughs) (laughs) totally there's so many good things one of the most important things is to ensure you're eating plenty of healthy fats. I know that a lot of us lived through the 1990s and we're taught that Mm -hmm. fat is horrible. You know, fat makes you fat. You're going to die if you eat fat. And now we know it's the exact opposite. Refined carbohydrates are the things that cause issues in the body. Healthy fats are necessary for hormone health. So that's your invitation to eat all of the olive oil and coconut oil, (laughs) organic (laughs) butter and ghee, these fats that are nourishing. Contrary to you know, canola oil and vegetable oil and the stuff that you can buy in a gallon for $10, that stuff should be thrown away. So healthy fats, absolutely essential, two to four type, uh, tablespoons a day of healthy fats. So put that butter on your toast, put some <laughs> avocado in your salad, enjoy. It's, I joke it's the best diet in the world. <laughs> yeah. So that's really, really important. You can also do something as simple as eat a raw carrot a day. That has a special fiber in it that helps the body flush excess estrogen. So especially if you've been on the birth control pill for a long time or any hormonal birth control, likely you have a buildup of estrogen. So how simple is that? Just eat one raw carrot a day and that'll help hugely with estrogen. One other thing that I've specifically been researching a lot lately has been the effects of blue light on hormone health. And so blue light coming from our computers and our phones and our TVs and any screen you can imagine and starting to see how if we are continuing to look at blue light into the evening, our body never produces melatonin and then we have a hard time sleeping and the hormones start to become imbalanced from that. So you can buy those blue light blocking glasses. I have some. They're super cute. (laughs) I like them. Um, Or you can, you know, choose to, you know, eight o'clock or something be done with electronics, which I think would actually be really beneficial for everyone. Yeah, and it's
0: funny, I, I think especially as we record this right now, it's April twenty first, And so we're, most of us are in week five ish of COVID. I'm not even <laughs> sure I'm keeping track anymore. And I think we are on our on our devices more. Um, you know, it's that constant refresh and still keeping up with the news and what's going on. And mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine what that well, I know personally, if I'm on my phone or if I'm on the news and I see something upsetting before bed, it does cause a change to your sleep cycle. And we all need better and more sleep. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah. So you, I, I was looking at your podcast recently, and you had an, an episode on seed cycling that actually that sounds really fascinating.
1: For those who don't know, what is what is seed cycling? The coolest thing ever. So, <laughs> and I mean, that's all I have to say, right? <laughs> uh, seed cycling is an ancient practice, but it's also heavily rooted in science. So for my fellow, you know, very linear people, they're, they're going to like this. Seed cycling is consuming different types of seeds throughout the month to support specific hormonal shifts that are naturally occurring. So you separate your cycle into two parts. You have your follicular phase. So that would be menstruation to follicular before ovulation. And then after ovulation, your luteal phase. Um, And that's when you would consume things um, that are going to support the decrease in your hormones and preparing the body to menstruate. So during the first half of your cycle, you consume seeds that include flax seed and pumpkin seed. These help the body prepare estrogen. This makes sure that not too much estrogen builds up. And then in the second half of your your cycle, you consume sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. And that makes sure that your progesterone is flowing just fine, that everything again is staying balanced. You have enough zinc and selenium to menstruate. So it's a really simple thing. You just eat one to two tablespoons of these seeds throughout the month. And I'm telling you, I've seen pretty incredible things just from this practice. Uh, We're seeing women have severe reductions in PMS. Cramping becomes a thing of the past. Um, Mood changes are heavily, heavily uh, decreased. It's incredible. And all it is, is eating a couple seeds every single day. That is
0: absolutely, I was about to say that's nuts. And then that just sounded like a pun with the seeds, but um, (laughs) that's wild. Like, but it goes back to what we are saying, right? About like the impact that food truly can have on your physical, mental, emotional health.
1: Exactly. And I find especially the feminine really responds well to subtle, small changes. We don't have to overhaul our entire life to see big differences in our hormones. And this is the best example of that. Just a few seeds and a massive reduction in a lot of these symptoms that we think of as unpleasant.
0: Yeah. So if you were talking to a woman who's like, I am completely burnt out, but the idea of tracking my cycle and all of that, like, I'm just, I just can't put another thing on my plate what would you say would be the most important first thing that they could do small first step
1: Hmm, what a question the the first thing i would encourage her to do is to take permission to get still and to reflect on her life because if she feels like something as simple as tracking her cycle is out of reach i would guess that there are other things taking up her time that are not nourishing her that are stressing her out Um, that are just maybe more familiar, that she's choosing over taking care of her own body. So I would lovingly encourage her to look a little deeper and ask herself, is there a reason why she feels like she can't prioritize herself? A lot of us have this inherent shame that taking care of ourselves is selfish, that we have to make sure our family's okay, that we have to be the best at our job. And that's where we're really locked into that hustle kind of mindset. So I know that's an untraditional maybe piece of advice, but permission To look within, to ask yourself what you can do to take care of you so you refill that cup consistently and see what little practices, what little tools, something as simple as seed cycling or tracking your cycle aligns with you.
0: I I mean, I I know what you're saying, but it is such a critical, like, I think it's such an important step to look inside, right? Because we are always looking, even the way I phrased the question, right, was like that looking externally for the hack or the quick fix or the whatever, but looking internally feels hard to a lot of people because we're not practiced at it most of Mm -hmm. us we've been trained out of it but the real value in it I think is so so critical
1: yes yes and I think it's it's kind of good that it disrupts what we want we're like no give me the five-step process yeah yeah no just look within yeah (laughs) just yeah no for sure (laughs) um
0: so before we move into the final five questions that I ask all my guests is there anything that you want to kind of is, is there a topic you absolutely love talking about that I have not sort of represented here? If you were on, if you had your kind of chance on a soapbox, like what would you want to say to women listening?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing that women right now need to hear is that it's okay to rest and it's okay to replenish yourself. We tend to feel like our self-worth comes from our productivity. Mm -hmm. And we have to be doing all the things. We have to be taking care of all of the people. And I think we all know what that does. It ultimately does burn you out and deplete you. There's a a sad misconception that rest makes us lazy, that we're selfish. And I'd really like to debunk that that very toxic belief for a woman, especially. There are certain times of the month where you must rest, where you deserve to take care of yourself. And that's everything in your being is asking you to slow down. So rather than fighting that, resisting that, I really encourage you to soften, to be still, to listen to what your body needs. And just that is enough to transform someone's life.
0: And isn't it funny, because that goes so in line with feminine energy, right? But we, it's like you're saying, we're living in this world designed For the male energy. And so even the idea of being soft and gentle and resting and giving ourselves permission feels like we're rubbing
1: up against something, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that permission. Take it, say, Cassandra Wilder told me to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: Okay. Well, so the final five questions I ask all my guests is the first one, maybe we've touched on it. Maybe it's personal, professional. Otherwise, is there something that fires you up in a
1: good way? Mm. Well, of course, everything to do with cyclical health and Mm -hmm. helping women release the shame stories behind it, helping women start to see it as a sacred and empowering time of the month. I definitely could talk about that for hours. Uh, and a new thing that's been really exciting for me is everything to do with cervical wellness. So I know these are very like specific to me. Obviously, I'm like the health nerd over here. I l- read every book, watch every health documentary I can get my hands on. But I'm so intrigued by the body, specifically the female body and how it fluctuates throughout the month. And and I'm allured by the idea that science has not fully grasped how the feminine body works. So we're mysterious. And I think that makes this extra special. <laughs> What's one of your favorite reads in the past few years? Well, right now I'm reading Educated. I know I'm like five years behind everyone else. So I'm finally getting to that, blowing my mind. Um, One of my favorites of all time, though, has been The Biology of Belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. And he talks about um, how our beliefs do shift or manifest into our physical reality. So. Uh, for anyone that's really intrigued by that merging of science and spirituality, his book is fantastic. Oh, great. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean about being behind on educated. I, <laughs> I, I was also behind. I don't even think I finished it because I think a library book came in. Um, but it's just reminding me, have you watched on, I'm going so off track here, but on Netflix, uh, Unorthodox?
1: Yes, that was so wild because I knew nothing about that sect of Judaism. Like, like Wild. Right. And so it just seems they seem very similar
0: to me in in different ways of, uh, you know, just being separate from society and knowing so little about what else is going on in the world. Um, Exactly. But I definitely did binge that series. (laughs) It was so good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given? I think one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given, it was actually something I saw online because it's kind of a visual thing, but it had the question of why is this happening to me and how many of us think that, you know, when something bad goes goes on or something we don't want to see happens in our life. And then it has that crossed out and underneath it, it says, what is this teaching me? Mm-hmm. So learning to ask that better question instead of saying, poor me, why does this always happen to me? Instead, taking more of that empowered mindset and saying, what is the lesson here? What is there that I can gain from this experience. Mm
0: -hmm. So powerful. And I think any opportunity that women can take to take control and take charge and feel empowered is so critical.
1: Yeah.
0: What are some of your go-to strategies for handling stress that we haven't covered?
1: I'm a huge proponent for journaling. I think sometimes we get so stuck in our head and we're going in circles and we're trying to figure it all out and we stress ourselves out by staying stuck in this loop. And so for me anyway, if I can write it out, I can start to see how maybe insignificant it is or I can see where I'm getting stuck. And that to me is, is so powerful just to sit with myself, get it all out and see the greater meaning. Oh, I love it. It's um when I have this t- when I prioritize the time.
0: <laughs> I was about to say have the time, and you heard me touch myself <laughs> there. Uh, it's it's so beneficial. And finally, Cassandra, what does it mean to you to live your best life?
1: To me, that lives to live with purpose and joy. To wake up every day knowing that you're contributing to someone else's life in a positive way, and doing so from a place of joy and and passion. I feel that every human being deserves to know that feeling. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So if you could just tell our listeners really quick where they can find you on the interwebs. Yes, I'm at CassandraWilder.com and they can find me on Instagram at menstruationqueen.
0: And that you should absolutely follow Cassandra's uh, podcast. It is phenomenal. And I will link to all of this in the show notes. But thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Girl Tries Life. I hope you found it really helpful. Again, if you're wanting that free resource from Cassandra on how to sort of match your cycle to what's going on in the workplace, go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast 159. Now, before I let you go, I just want to let you know really quickly that... Stressless Ladies, the company that I own, has recently launched a six-week online program called Don't Just Survive, Thrive, How to Build Resilience During COVID-19. Because here's one of the things that I absolutely know to be true. To get through stressful times, you have to build resilience and to build resilience it is a muscle it takes practice 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 you got to just keep getting back up resilience is not about never falling down we are always going to have stumbles and and roadblocks in our way but it's about how you get up again and again and again but the thing is resilience if you if you're really struggling to build it it can take a bit of a guide to create that so this six-week program is specifically designed to help you build that resiliency muscle so at the end of 2020, you still have achieved whatever it is you're wanting to achieve. It maybe just looks a little bit different. So here's what's covered in this six-week course. We talk about how to re-envision what 2020 looks like given our current circumstances. We talk about how you can build the habits that are going to help serve you and break the habits that are bringing you down. We talk about how to create systems that support the change that you're looking for, how to proactive actively create joy in your daily life because it doesn't just always happen. We talk about how to overcome self-sabotage because that one's a little bit of a pain in the butt. And finally, we talk about how to stitch it all together and create a pathway to resilience. I have run this as a group program twice now, and the women that have been through it have said it was absolutely phenomenal, life-changing, really powerful information for them. And so what I wanted to do is I made it an online self-led version so that anybody could access it, and I made it as affordable as humanly possible. It is $25 for this six weeks of content, homework, follow-up resources, and I know you will get a lot of Value out of it. So if that is of interest to you, I would head to stresslessladies.podia.com or you can also head to stresslessladies.com and click on programs. Again, I hope to see you Uh, Whether you take advantage of this program or not, build your resilience as 2020 goes on. It is not a write-off. You don't have to burn 2020 to the ground. You just got to put together some new strategies to make it whatever it is you want this year to be. Challenges and all. I am not taking away the challenges. I've got them as well, but I promise you you can get on in the driver's seat of your life with this program. So I hope to, uh, to see some of you there. And a special bonus for those who sign up before the end of May, you will all get special access to a monthly group coaching call, basically like office hours. So that's where you can come and and share some of your specific challenges and I will answer that. But that is only for those who sign up before the end of May. So I hope to see you there. Have a fantastic week and I will catch you next time.